0: Have you ever tried to open up a bag of chips quietly in the middle of a serious moment or perhaps a meeting? I have. And here's what I found out. That A, chewing in the microphone is probably really annoying to those watching right now. And B, that the loudest way to open up a bag of chips is to do it quietly. Let me say that again, that the loudest way to open up a bag of chips is to do it Quietly. It is counterintuitive to us. And I say this because this is going to kind of frame our conversation this morning uh, because a lot of things that we do in our life need to be counterintuitive in order for us to be productive. Why? Because the loudest way to open up a bag of chips is to do it quietly. That's going to frame the rest of our conversation this morning. We've been talking about. In this series, a new era, getting ready for the newness that God wants to put in our lives, getting ready for the newness, the new chapter that God is ushering in into our lives. And in order to do that, we have to recognize in the first part of the series, we said that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God doesn't change, but we need to change, okay? There's new angles of God that we have yet to experience. Then we talked about a new wine, where basically Jesus told some of the individuals he was teaching that you can't put new wine. In old wineskins, because the old wineskins can't contain the new wine. So we talked about our capacity. Do we have a capacity for the new? And then last week we talked about the new covenant. How God sent his only begotten son Jesus to usher in this new covenant, this new way of living. Because the old covenant didn't already went to the end of itself and the new covenant is going to take us into the future that's where we're living in the new covenant today and what is the new covenant the new covenant is that all we have to do is believe that jesus is lord and that we shall be saved the old covenant said that we had to do 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 the new covenant says we just have to be with jesus and so people missed out on the new covenant because they're living in the old and like i said before we, the new seems like a threat when we're so protective of the old. But the new is better, folks. The new is better. And so today I want to talk about the kingdom. Jesus talked about the kingdom. And the problem, the reason that people missed on the kingdom is because it's counterintuitive. If you're a business leader or, um, you know, a pastor even watching this or a ministry leader here, You know, like everything is counterintuitive. Think of it this way, that I just said that the loudest way to open up a bag of chips is to do it quietly. Watch this, it's counterintuitive, that the fastest way to grow your team is to do it slowly. Come on. The fastest way to grow church is to do it slowly. The best way to, to, to grow your business is to do it slowly. It's counterintuitive because some of us are impatient and we're driven by this, you know, American lifestyle where it's like faster, bigger, and, and, and that's, that's what's inside of us sometimes, right? But the kingdom of God is counterintuitive over the kingdom of heaven. The Bible says it two different ways, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. It's counterintuitive. It's the opposite of what we think, right? If you want to make someone even more mad, what, what do you do? You tell them to calm down, right? It's counterintuitive. Don't do that. If someone's really mad, telling them to calm down actually makes them madder, right? But it's counterintuitive. And so what we need to kind of learn is like, what, what was it that Jesus was trying to get to when it came to him talking about the kingdom, the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven? The main reason that some of us are come here and, and we're watching this today, we're stuck spiritually it's because I believe that, that you keep doing things the same way, either consciously or unconsciously. But, but what we need to do is kind of activate what it is to do something counterintuitively so we can break through onto the other side of being stuck. Okay? Here's a couple tips right off the bat. These are what I call counterintuitive tips. Okay? Watch this that the biggest risk is not taking one. All right. That's actually a quote from Mark Zuckerberg, uh, the guy who founded Facebook, that the biggest risk is not taking one. Those who are like, "Ah, oh, I don't like risk. The biggest risk is not taking one. See, that's a counterintuitive tip. Here's a second one, that the more you try to control someone, the less influence you have on them. Man, isn't that true? Come on. There's a counterintuitive tip. We want to have more influence, so we say, oh, I want to control this person more. But no, but the the more you try to control someone, the less influence you have on them. Ready? Here's the third tip. When you're tired, try sowing energy. We think that when we're tired, that's the time where we need to rest, right? Doesn't that make sense? But sometimes it's actually what we need to do is sow energy, right? We we live, again, the kingdom of God is about reaping and sowing. If If I planted an apple tree, guess what I'm going to get, folks? If I plant an apple seed, guess what I'm going to get an apple tree. I already gave you the answer in the question, right? If I plant a, if I plant a, 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 a cherry tree, guess what I'm going to get? I'm going to get a cherry seed. Guess what I'm going to get a cherry tree, right? So reaping and sowing. So here's the deal. Sometimes when we're tired, we need more energy. So here's a crazy idea. Why not sow energy? Because then you'll reap energy. Maybe instead of taking that nap, oh, I'm preaching to myself right now. Maybe instead of taking that nap, maybe I should just go run on the treadmill, right? Maybe I should, I should sow in energy so that I could reap energy. So when you're tired, try sowing energy, right? Here's a, here's the fourth one. If you want more freedom in your life, you need structure. Oh, man, I am messing up your world today, isn't, ain't I? Right? If you, need, if you want more freedom in your life, then you need structure. You need, oh, you need boundaries. You need order. You need a calendar. You need to manage your time if you want more freedom. Isn't it crazy that sometimes if you want more freedom, you actually need more restraint? Hello, it's counterintuitive. Here's the last tip, counterintuitive tip today, is that the way up is down. The way out is down is in, and the way forward is sometimes backwards, all right? The way up is down, the way out is in, and the way forward is sometimes backwards. Today, we're talking about the counterintuitive kingdom of God. And Jesus talked a lot about the kingdom. I wish we had the time this morning to break down all the times he talked about the kingdom. He constantly said, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like, the kingdom is like. But we don't have the time to. But today, we are going to go to John chapter 18, starting at verse 29. And this is uh, when, when Jesus is, is the day that he's going to get crucified. He's, he's before the courts, and he's before Pilate. And this is what he says, right? Starting at verse 29, Pilate then went out to them and said, what accusation do you bring against this man, this man named Jesus? They answered and said to him, if he were an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to If he were, were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, okay, you take him and judge him according to your laws. Therefore, the Jews said to him, it is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. So they had an agenda. They wanted to put Jesus to death. And so they said that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying what death he would die. Then, verse 33, Then Pilate entered Petroleum again, called Jesus, and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him said, Are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you this concerning me? All right. So he's like, okay, are, are you asking me, or is everyone else asking me um, this question? And then Pilate said, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight. Because that's the intuitive thing to do, right? To take over, to take over with violence and, and to come in and bum rush the government, right? That's what, it's intuitive to us. But, but he says, my servants would fight so that I should be delivered to the Jews. So not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore says to him, are you a king then? And then Jesus answered, you say rightly that I am a king. And I love this. He says, for this cause. What cause? The cause of the kingdom. For this cause I was born. And for this cause I came into the world that I shall bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. I love that. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. My kingdom is not of this world. So when we think about kingdoms, right? And I know that's foreign to us because we live in a democracy. But when we think about kingdom, we're talking about three, three basic elements. Like every kingdom needs a king, needs a territory, and needs a people, okay? Every kingdom needs a king, a territory, and a people. That's what every kingdom's about. And so when they thought of the kingdom, they thought of what they were used to, a ruler, an individual ruling over land and there were people that belonged to that land there were people that had to surrender to that ruler's authority so that's the that's the paradigm of which they looked at every teaching of the kingdom of god but jesus said loud and clear right here that his kingdom is not of this world they didn't have the frame to understand the kingdom and so what we need to understand is that the kingdom of god okay so if every kingdom needs a king a territory, and a people. What Jesus, When Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, or again, the kingdom of heaven, this is how he defines it. It's spiritual rule over the hearts, come on, over the hearts and lives of those who are willingly submit to God's authority. So again, we think of king, territory, people. King, who's the king? Jesus, territory. What's the territory? It's our hearts. People, who are the people? It's you and me, all right? It's you and me. That is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is Jesus enthroned in our hearts in our community. That is the kingdom of God. And so we need to look at it that way. And not only do we need to look at it that way, we also need to follow the orders of the king, right? Because this is a key principle. It's really easy to call Jesus our savior, to call Jesus our hero. But, but actually, here's what Scripture really tells us here, folks. Romans 10:9. Because because when, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, not that just Jesus is your hell insurance, but that Jesus is Lord, that Jesus is King, that Jesus is authority, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's the proclamation that Jesus is enthroned in our hearts, all right? And so when we're thinking about the kingdom, that's how we have to think about it. And so, uh, again, I love just keeping the three points today because it's memorable. Um, But I want to talk about this counterintuitive kingdom so that Jesus could be the king of our hearts. You Ready? Number one is this. Here's a quality of the kingdom. It's upside down. Remember that I said that's counterintuitive. The way up is down. So we have this upside down kingdom. Watch this, Mark 9:33. Uh, and they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, um, "What were you discussing? Uh, what were you arguing about on the way?" But they kept silent, for the way that they argued with one another about who was the greatest in the kingdom. And he sat down, and he called the twelve, and he said to them, "If anyone will be first, he must be last. Again, if you want to go up, you have to go down. If anyone wants to be first, he must be last and servant of all." And then he took a child. And he put him in the midst of them, taking him in his arms. He said to them, whoever received one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. So he's like, yo, it's about me. It's about God, the father. It's about everything. When you serve the least of these, the way up is actually down. I know that it's counterintuitive, especially in our context, but that's the theme that Jesus kept on telling them. All right, you want to be the greatest in the kingdom? And here's one of my favorite things about this story that, that he, he didn't come out, with the hum, he wouldn't come out as a humble police, right? Because if I was to sit there in a staff meeting or in a church meeting, I say, I want to be the greatest in the kingdom. People are like, well, first of all, buddy, back the truck up, calm down, be humble. It's not about being the greatest. I love that Jesus never corrected the question. He goes, all right, you want to be the greatest. The way up is down. It's great that we want to be more, but sometimes in order to be more, we have to actually be less. Whoo. It's counterintuitive. It's all right that you. there's an innate desire for us to be great, but the way up is down. He's, he kind of echoes this again in Luke 22. He says, and he said to them, um, the kings of the Gentiles... Exercise lordship over them. So people, not, not non-Jews, people that aren't used to, to, to living in a, what they call a monotheistic lifestyle, one God, serving and worshiping one God, it's like they, they understand that the kings have lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Counterintuitive. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and the leader as one who serves. Okay. For who is the greater, one who reclines at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as the one who serves. So Jesus, the whole entire time, remember, he was serving these guys. This was the, the same night where Jesus actually washed his disciples' feet. You're talking about this king. The Bible says that he's the, the name that's above all names, that he is the prince of peace, that royalty stepped down off of the throne to wash our feet. Now, you got to remember the context back then. Um, they, didn't have, they didn't have Nikes. They didn't have Jays. They didn't have Timberlands. They didn't have whatever, whatever shoe you could put on your feet, right? They didn't have Crocs. They had these open sandals, and they walked everywhere. They didn't have vehicles. And so your feet was probably the dirtiest part of your body. Okay? And so that this despicable, dirty, messy task of washing someone's feet, that Jesus decided, I'm gonna do that because I'm going to be the servant. I'm gonna have the servant leadership mantle all my life. I am stepping off the throne, I'm putting on my apron, and I'm washing my servant's feet. Okay? The way up is down. It's this upside down kingdom. And I know it's contrary to nature. Why? Because what does our nature do? Our nature always cries. Well, what about me? Come on. Come on. Give me some type of emoji in the chat. If you if you if that's the cry of your heart internally, you might not say it out loud, but internally, whenever you see someone else get blessed, whenever you see someone else get served or whenever you have to want to serve someone else, you, you internally ask this question. What about me? Because that's what our flesh wants. That's what internally we always want to cry about. What about me? What? A, that's not fair, God. Well, you know what? The way up is down in the kingdom of God. I know that honestly, like I cry that a lot internally i know i'm the pastor i know i'm supposed to be your spiritual leader but i'm serving you with my vulnerability now that sometimes when i look outside of myself when i'm scrolling on instagram or scrolling on facebook and and that's why i kind of need to sever myself from that sometimes because i get in this rut this spiral of what about me why am i not getting blessed like that why don't i have that privilege or why what about me god what about me and basically, God's saying, what about you? If you're going to be about my kingdom, the way up is down. You want you, the way to promotion is actually to be the servant of the least of these. So think about it. He, when he took that child, it's like be the servant of the person who's 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 less educated than you, the servant of the person who honestly can't can't benefit you that much, right? Any, any parent, you know that when your kid's like four or five years old, they, they could do very little, right? Yes, they could hug you. They could say, I love you, but they could barely do chores. They could barely wipe their own butt. Like you have to do everything for them, okay? You don't benefit from this transaction at all. But the way up is down. And so we in America, we want to chase resources and success Right? That's that's all it's about. Let's 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 get as much resources as possible, not just money, but things and and and, and success. We're so successful. So it's about resources and success. But in the kingdom, so that's in a that's a capitalistic lifestyle, okay? And nothing against capitalism, but that's what it is. It's about resources and success. Climb your corporate ladder, get more, get more as quick as you can, right? Let's let's get to the place where we can retire, make as much money as possible, and then don't work at all later on in life. That is the the ideal in America but in the kingdom of God it's not about resource and success it's about responsibility and sacrifice why because the way up is down folks and it is not pretty but can you imagine what this world would look like if if instead of it was dog eat dog it was people serve people how great would this world be how great would our country be and listen I am I believe in, in, in that we should be uh, be patriotic and love our country and be grateful for our country. Um, but I don't believe in being a nationalist, that our country needs to be the, the best above all the other countries. Right. If the byproduct of our ser- us serving other countries and serving people and serving each other makes us the best, then so be it. But honestly, I am not caving into the idol of nationalism. I am first a child of the kingdom of God. Okay, and so I wonder what would happen if we stop being a dog eat dog society and start being people serve people. How different would this world be? How different would our state be? How different would our church be? How different would our families be? If it wasn't about us, but it was always about the other because the way up is down, folks. The way up is down. So what does that mean? Okay, so I'm going to give you some action items after every point. So what does that mean? Um, so, so here's what that means. This is what needs to change. It needs to be less about your goals and more about helping others achieve their goals. Less about our goals and more about helping others achieve their goals, okay? It, secondly, it's not, it's not about how good you look, but how you can make others look good. It's not about how famous you could be. It's how famous can you make someone else be or oh, even better, how famous can we make Jesus? Can we go back to making Jesus famous rather than making us famous? Come on. And, and this is another way that it should look if we actually activated this upside down kingdom. Is that it's not about being liked, but about representing love to those we don't like. It's counterintuitive, it is upside down. But this, folks, is the kingdom of God. Number two. In fact, before going into number two, um, I like this. There's a quote from an author named Mark Batterson. He says that um, success is when those who know you best respect you most. That's real success. It says Those who know you best respect you most. It's an upside-down kingdom. Number two, it's an inside-out kingdom. All right, so we got upside-down and now inside-out. Remember I said that the way out is actually in, okay? Luke 17, 20 to 21 Being asked by the Pharisees, and I remember the Pharisees were very religious folks at the time that Jesus lived on earth. And when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, look, here it is. He goes, in other words, he's like, yo, this is so fresh, you don't even understand it. You're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. And he says this, that it's coming in ways that cannot be observed. So nor will they say, look, here it is or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. Other translations actually say that it's inside of you, that the kingdom of God is inside of you. So whether it's in the midst of you, it's right here or inside of you. It's not about seeking it, it, that it's like so far out that that we can't find it. But it's actually saying, hey, just open your eyes. It's inside of you. It's right here. That's where the kingdom of God is. Why? Because if every kingdom needs a king, a territory, and a people, then the king is Jesus, the territory is my heart, and then his people is us. Okay? And so it's inside out. So we have to look inward to really understand the kingdom of God. Matthew 5, 21 and 24 says, this, You heard it that it said this way in the days of old. We actually talked about this verse in the first week of the series. You shall not murder. Whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But this is Jesus introducing this new kingdom. He says, "But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. But whoever um, insults his brother will be liable to the council. Whoever says you fool, you'll be liable um, to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar, okay. So in other words, if I'm if I'm worshiping God, right? If I'm I'm in a church service and I'm worshiping God, I'm singing." or even if I'm at home and I'm worshiping God or I'm praying and I'm reading my Bible. This is what Jesus says. He says, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, that, that you wronged someone, that there's something wrong in you that, that, that provoked wrong towards someone else, he says, leave your gift there before the altar and go, be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. This is Jesus putting this high-level of importance in regards to the inside of who you are because it's an inside-out kingdom. You want to work on the external stuff. He says, hey, I start from the inside out. Don't, don't, don't work on your worship before you work on the condition of your heart towards your fellow man. Hello. He says, leave your gift there. Handle the issue with your brother. Then come back and worship me because I'm more concerned with the condition of your heart than the condition of your external worship. Come on. That's what I'm more concerned with, is basically what God's saying. He's concerned with your soul. The famous Psalm, Psalm 23, says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me down, lay down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my circumstances? No. He restores my finances? No. He restores my... No. He restores my soul. This is what the Bible says. Your inward being, your inner man, he leads me to the path of righteousness for his name's sake. For though I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil, for you are with me, your rod and their staff. They comfort me, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemy. You might know my head, my oh, my my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He restores oh, your soul, the inward person. The inward person, and so again, if you catch the theme of the kingdom, it's all about that it's here inside of us, because every every kingdom needs a king. Jesus' territory, your heart, people, and that's us. He even nailed this down with the Pharisees again. He was always challenging the Pharisees, and, and in Matthew 23, he says, "Blind Pharisees," he says this first, clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law! And Pharisees, those who teach do, 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 do. That's what the law says. Do, do, do. And he says, you hypocrites, you are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of bones of dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Again, it's this inside-out kingdom. Y'all see this, that he's like, yo, focus. People that are religious, people that are uh, uh, about being tight religiously, all you're about is external stuff. It's how holy you look, how clean you look. And Jesus said, I don't give a rip of how clean you look on the outside because then all you are is just these whitewashed tombs and you're dying in the inside. Yeah, you might have a smile. Yeah, you might have some external swag, but you're dying on the inside. Is that the life? that you really want, and that's why I'm ushering in. and, uh, and Jesus said, I am ushering in this brand-new kingdom that's upside down and inside out because I care about your heart first. And the church is infamous for that, isn't it? We still struggle with that, right? When someone comes in, they give their life to Jesus, we say things like, okay, I want, I want you to stop doing this, and I want you to stop doing that, and we, we, we focus so much on behaviors, but I, I just truly believe in the, that, that we are not the convictors here. like the Bible says that, that, that the Holy Spirit convicts people. we don't convict people. And so we, we come in with condemnation and Romans 8:1 says that there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus, right? No condemnation in Christ Jesus. but yet we deal with people in regards to condemnation. So we say fix all the external stuff. Do things the holy way first and then you'll be accepted here. Meanwhile, God's like, no, I want, I want the heart because I know if I have the heart, then I'll have your actions forever. Let's work on the inside of the cup, the inside of the tomb, the inside of your heart, your soul, because it's an inside out kingdom. Y'all getting this? It's an inside out kingdom. And so when you focus on the inner person, when you focus on the inner person, a, a follower of Christ will never have a big head they'll just always have a burning heart, okay, when you focus on the inner person. A follower of Christ doesn't ever, doesn't ever get a big head at all. They get a burning heart when you focus on the inside, all right? So what does this mean, all right? Like I said, after every point, I'm gonna give you some action items. What does this look like in your life? So it's less about your performance and more about the condition of your soul, all right? That's what it looks like. So you might mess up Fine. What's the condition of your soul? What's the condition of your heart? Do you still love Jesus? Do you still want to continue to do life and do life well? Do you still um, want to want to pursue things and get back up? It's not about messing up. It's not about performing. It's about the condition of your soul. Secondly, it's less about other people's performance and more about their souls. All right. So as you practice this with yourself. It's less about your performance and more about the condition of your soul. Then you can look at other people and say, "Okay, it's less about their performance and more about the conditions of their soul." Okay, Um, you could have clean shoes and still have a dirty soul, right? You could, you could still have, you could have big pockets and still have a small life. Okay, and so let's stop focusing on the size of our external and let's start focusing on the size of who we are internally. That is how that point. should affect us. Number three and last one for this morning. You getting anything? This is good. This is better. This is better than the notes you're taking. This is better than the comments you're making. This is better than any emoji that you could put in the chat right now. I hope you're getting this. Number three, backwards. So remember we said it's upside down. It's inside out. And sometimes it's backwards, this kingdom of God. Jesus had this interaction with uh, what we call the rich young ruler in Matthew 19. It says, now behold, one came and said to him, good teacher, so he respected Jesus and he said, good teacher, what good things shall I do that I might inherit eternal life? And this is a setup uh, question for Jesus, because Jesus, again, this new kingdom is not about necessarily doing. It's about being. It's about the condition of your soul, the condition of your life. And so he says, what should I do to man have eternal life? So then he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good, but one. And that is God. But if you want to enter into to life, keep the commandments. Then he said to them, which ones? All right, so he's like, Show me the quickest, fastest way that I could do this eternal life thing. And Jesus said, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Then the young man said to him, But I've done all these things, I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, If you want to be perfect, go sell what you have, sell what you have, and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me leave all that stuff behind, have this small pocket and come follow me to live a big life. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. In other words, Jesus was saying, hey, um, you want to move forward? You got to go backwards. You got to go, you're rich right now, but let's go back to the time when you had nothing. Are you willing to go backwards? And I don't believe that that Jesus was really asking him to turn a life into poverty. And sometimes I've heard people teach it that way. It's like, well, every Christian should be poor. Um, honestly, and you might have heard the statement before, like the best pl- the best person to be, to, the best way to help the poor is not to be one, right? It's okay to make money. But again, it's like that servanthood. It's that, that upside down, inside out backwards kingdom is that, all right, it's not about me accumulating money so I could be wealthy. It's about me accumulating money so I could be a blessing, right? So it's like, are you putting that apron on your finances to serve other people? But Jesus is saying, are you willing to go backwards? If you're not willing to go backwards and you're really not willing to be about this kingdom. And I think again, so many times, especially in the American context, we want to go further, faster, and we want to be the first one to do it. That is the style that we like to do things. That is the style of achievement here in America. But Jesus says sometimes this kingdom of God is backwards. This is, this is why we, some people still miss out on Jesus, and they didn't understand who Jesus was because they remember like in the Old Testament, Isaiah 9-6. I know this is a Christmas verse, but listen, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And watch this, and the government's, will be on his shoulders and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So, hey, God, um, you said that the governments will be on his shoulder. So why was Jesus born in obscurity, in a manger, basically running from his life in poverty? Right. Why was he born that way? Why? Why was he born an immigrant? Yes, Jesus was an immigrant. But the government should be on his shoulders. He should be called a mighty God. He should be a prince of peace. Hey, God, uh, th- that's what your, your, your words said about Jesus. But he came in with this kingdom that's completely backwards. He, he was under the rule of someone else, even. He was under the rule of the, the, the Roman government. G- God, di- didn't you think, don't you think you messed up your plan by, by Jesus coming in the way he came in? through this virgin birth and running from his life and uh, running for his life and, and, and then dying the way he died. And then think about it. Hey, God, the government shall be on his shoulders. But the dude, like, died a gruesome death under somebody else's authority. And, and, and he was supposed to be the, the king of kings. And they mocked him. Instead of putting a real crown on him, they put a crown of thorns. Hey, God, you said that the governments shall be on his shoulders. Isn't this backwards? And God's like, yeah, it is backwards. Because my kingdom is upside down, inside out, and sometimes backwards. Are you willing? Here's how to apply this point. Are you willing to not be the fastest, but the most whole person at the finish line? Are you willing not to be the fastest, but the, the more whole person at the finish line? Are you willing... To go back and complete the steps that you've skipped in your life. This is a conversation that I've been having with myself, uh, unfortunately, because of um, my perceived confidence and my uh, abilities and talents. I know that sounds arrogant, but I've realized with humility that people have seen those things and they promoted to me based on ability um, more than character and I'm not saying that I have a bad character but I'm just saying that because of that I've skipped certain stages in my life and now that I'm like inches away from 40 um, I'm reevaluating some things and realizing that that sometimes I was promoted beyond my capacity uh, of, of education in certain steps and I was promoted beyond and so now I'm looking at my life and going man because of uh, again, America is, you know, to get there the fast, go faster, farther, and be the first one there, um, I skip stages. So I have to now ask myself, am I willing to go backwards to complete the task that God has put before me? You have to be willing to ask yourself that question as well. Maybe you, you were like, you, you skipped some stages in your character development, you skip some stages in your education, you skip some stages maybe even in your relationship. And you're like, well, we're too far away from that now. We, again, in the American context, it's about going faster, farther, and being first. But in the kingdom of God, it's quite the opposite. Are you willing to go backwards to those steps? Are you, are you willing to go backwards to let other people catch up? Oh, man. Again, that's a tough one, too, because, right, that's the struggle. That's the struggle because you're like, no, you need to hurry up. You need to hustle and catch up to me right now. But again, in the kingdom of God, it's upside down, inside out, and backwards. Are you willing to just pause and stop and let other people catch up? Are you willing to reset? Most of us aren't. We're not willing to reset. Because to say reset feels like we're going backwards. feels like I have to do it all over again. And can I challenge us? And I'm challenging myself, too. I'm not leaving myself off the hook. That that is arrogance. That is arrogance to say I'm not willing to go backwards for the kingdom of God. If you're not willing to go backwards for the kingdom of God, then you're really just building your own kingdom. And you have to look at yourself in the mirror and ask yourself, whose kingdom are you serving? And how do you know whose kingdom are you serving? Is who's on the throne. Are you on the throne or is Jesus on the throne? If we could stand in in, in the shoes of that, that rich young ruler and say, it's hard to give up everything I have, but I'm willing to do that for my king. And I know that in the days when I'm not willing to do that, it's because Jesus is not on the throne of my heart. I am. Are you willing to hit reset? Are you willing to step off the throne of your heart and give it up to someone who could rule a heck of a lot better. If you're feeling that conviction this morning, I just want to pray for you. I don't care if you've been to church forever in a decade or if this is your first time watching us. And you're like, ah, I'm feeling it. This, this life, this this higher life, this outside, in life, this always moving forward, being exhausted and can't even enjoy life, life. I'm done with it. I want to do this kingdom of God life that you're talking about, Pastor Mike. Or more importantly, this kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven life that Jesus spoke about. I want to do that because I feel in my spirit it's way better than what I'm doing right now. And I want to surrender that. If that's you, I want to pray for you right now. God, I pray for those who... um, in this moment, we want to bow our knee to a new authority. And even if it's a, a, an authority that we um, are acquainted with, that we, 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 we know Jesus, we even believe in Jesus, but he hasn't completely had the monopoly of the throne of our hearts, Lord. We let him have it right now in Jesus' name. You are the king of my heart. There is no one else. It's, that throne is reserved for you and you alone. So I live this kingdom of God life that you've called us all to live. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. If uh, God's moved on your heart today, I want you to click that raise your hand button. If you're watching us on YouTube or Facebook, you can click on the link um, that's in the chat or the button if you're watching on our website. Uh, we want to make sure that we're connecting you to the right people and the right things to continue your journey in the faith. I'm excited for your first day of starting with Jesus in the kingdom of God. And we're starting a brand new series next Sunday, believe it or not, called Reset, uh, Understanding Grace, and Starting All Over Again. Um, It's going to be a good one. Promise that. See you next week.